You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. This is Maddie, your host, along with my lovely co-host, Jesse, as usual. Hello. Thanks for chiming in. Um, and we are joined <laughs> We are joined today by, actually, Stacey, I did, I'm going to blow your last name. How do you pronounce your last name? Stacey Bruden. Okay, I guessed it. Okay, great. Well, so Stacey has been a sane, thoughtful and a little bit sassy person to follow on Twitter this past year. I can't remember exactly where along the way I found you, um, but I'm very happy I did because, you know, Jesse and I have been, uh, you know, I'm sure there's more to what you're able to talk to us about and contribute about, but of course, annoyingly, like the subject of the day, the subject of the year has been COVID. But having people who have been kind of like right and making a point to put forward like the most important aspects of this has been rarer than you'd think. And it's been really kind of like disappointing for us all year. But I guess, um, you know, not to just be negative, like it's the, I think the, and you might see it as well. So I, I'll kick it to you shortly, but like, I feel like it's becoming a lot more okay to have critical <laughs> things to say about maybe how the government handled this whole fiasco. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a known thing that a moral panic like this, and I think that's what they created is a moral panic. They, mm-hmm. you know, killing grandma, you're a grandma killer if you just want to live your life and educate your kids and be able to breathe freely. So they made you into the devil if you want to do things like that. And they generally last a year to a year and a half. So right in that year to year and a half time frame, it becomes less scary to, you know, be the supposed grandma killer and stand up for yourself. So that's gradually happening. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt like I had to from the beginning. I didn't understand from the first day. I didn't want my kids' school to close. And there mm-hmm. was actually an active CDC document on their website that said, we compared the school closures in Hong Kong with the, there were no closures in Singapore and there was no benefit to closing the schools. And it said, we don't recommend closing for COVID. And I was showing everyone that and they were just panicking. And then I said, look at the Diamond Princess cruise ship. There is filled with old people. Only 17% of the ship got infected. So you're not going to convince me that, you know, all of if they don't get infected cruise ship floating in the ocean. It makes no sense. But the WHO was saying, everyone is susceptible. You're all going to get this. Everyone needs to lock down. And it's not like they were drawing the circumference around New York City and saying, you guys need to lock down. But in the country, Mm -hmm. you're fine. They were just like Timbuktu to Rome to Paris. Everyone needs to lock down. And that made absolutely no sense to me. So my BS detector just went straight up. Actually, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking about it earlier this week. Um, 
I, I'm like a huge um, self-critic. And so I might think about things I've said later on. I'm like, why did I say that? Or like, I should have said it this way or so something like that. So I was kind of like doing a little bit of a self-deprecation thing where I was like, I shouldn't have made so like, I shouldn't have made it seem like a bad thing that I didn't choose to be an English major. Like I chose to be a biology major in college. And again, this is just like sort of like how my thought process works and why I am the way I am and where, why I'm here. But so, and it's related to what you just said, because one of the reasons I specifically went towards biology was because I am a bullshitter. Like, and I just wasn't satisfied with only having to bullshit my way through English classes and doing really well in them. I was like, you know, I don't want to go to college and just bullshit it. I mean, college is kind of bullshit anyway, but I was like, I'm also a bit of a masochist. So I decided, let me just go torture myself for years on end as a biology major, right? But I wasn't able to bullshit my way through science. Um, it was kind of a lot of ass kicking, um, but you can't bullshit a bullshitter. And so I think part of the way, part of the way I think and like me kind of being this contrarian uh, I've evolved as a libertarian and now I'm more of like an anarchist or liber um, or a voluntarist. It's like, again, it all kind of goes back to that mentality. Like you can't bullshit a bullshitter. And this whole year, like you said, was bullshit central really. So yeah, I mean. And I, the people who were scared, I don't think they could think clearly. That's just a known thing. When you're yeah. emotional, your emotions will drive you. So if you think your kids are going to die and you're going to die and your elderly parents are going to die, you're not going to think critically, like, how do I continue society on its regular path? You think, how can I hide inside my house where the germs won't get me? So they just got yeah. everything. And it's amazing to me how much people listen to the media because oh, yeah. this scary stuff on CNN and New York Times, and it was just everywhere and at all the death counters and the images of the, um, you know, pushing the patients through the hospital hallways mm -hmm. and it was just so crazy. And I remember thinking it was like the media was attacking us. And then I researched the role of the media during a pandemic and the role is supposed to be to keep the population calm. Yeah. And government will often say, you have to stop reporting the death count because people are getting too scared. You got to tone it down and then they'll have to do that. So here I figured there's something symbiotic with the government and they're allowing this panic to you know be fed by the media they created a virtual reality where we're all gonna die and the black death was here i agree with part of me that. thinks that there's like a mental <laughs> illness aspect to these people though because I, I you know i wonder how many people i was actually talking about this with somebody else the other day about how it just seems like like depression and anxiety seem to be such a big thing in our society. Yeah, those were already I, running rampant. Yeah, those were already problems. I am a kind of an expert in cluster B personalities, narcissistic personalities, psychopaths. And I saw that right away because all those techniques were being used, the techniques that mm. they use, um, mm -hmm. the shaming, they would shame you if you wanted to um, see your friends or educate your kids. Um, shame was used to control you. And their main thing is they, they feel a need to control. And you're right, they are anxious and they're very miserable people. And they just, they're, they're sort of like, all they care about is power because it makes them feel secure if they have all these powerful right. friends. And they're all about image. So if, if the world tells you, you need to go hide in your house now and be scared, and that's the acceptable thing to do, they all want to do that. 
And then they mainly just want to feel the sense of control that they're going to be able to stop the deaths of their family members. And they don't sort of accept that like everyone's going to die one day. And, you know, they, they haven't had this sort of spiritual progress. They're just really repressed kind of, you know, pathological people. And there's a lot, especially in the rich sections of America, a lot of people are really high in that spectrum. I would say it seems like that's the case because we live such a comfortable life that we don't really have a whole lot of problems that we really have to overcome. So your mind creates problems to fix or to Mm. overcome, you know, and I, I see that. I think that's more of a problem here because we have, you know, America, the West, we live in a more, you know, privileged lifestyle. And like you said, you're going to see that in the more richer areas because these people pretty much have it comfortable. And so they don't have any problems. So now they, now all of a sudden the news is giving them a problem that they need to quote unquote fix, even though you can't really like the, just the idea of thinking that you can run away or hide from a virus yeah, there's something t- like 300,000 viruses out there. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> laughable. Fuck with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, but, something yeah, so hiding. interesting. Go ahead. Like so much of who we are, like literally our genetic makeup is from previous viral infections, like as we've evolved over mm-hmm. millennia. So it's it's a little silly. I don't know. You know, like I and they were able to use words like novel coronavirus like novel it means it's like super new and scary and no it's um anomalous to anything else we've ever seen before um kind of like what you were pointing out with like how the media and the government their normal role or perspective was to let's keep everybody calm let's keep everything moving normally you know and that way like no added panic will further disrupt our people and it's not like you know in the past that they've ever they've been like benevolent right but it was in it had to have been enough in their favor (laughs) to have not shut down the world's economy but everybody know what you just said like they don't have the science education like you said we're made up from you know millions of years of evolution dealing you Mm -hmm. know have always dealt with viruses and that's how we evolved People don't know that. And Carl Sagan has a really interesting book, The Demon Haunted World. And he talks Mm. about how he thinks this intersection of um, the lack of good science education and then the advance of technology are going to collide in just this nuclear disaster because, you know, they were able to exploit that. They were able to say, oh yeah, just because you locked down and Como was saying this on TV every day. He was like, well, this curve would have never gone this way unless you guys would have all locked down and wore masks. It's, it's like, that's a, just a basic logical fallacy. Just because something came later doesn't mean it was caused by something that came earlier. You know, that every other epidemic went away without us doing that. But they were still able to fool everyone, which is fascinating. And that, that comes down to a lack of education, basic understanding of science, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think it's also because they're told that they aren't going to understand it because it's too complicated. So just yeah, so don't even try. Just let the guys in the white lab coats tell you. Are gonna, experts are going to handle it. Your like, friends, so the politicians who love you. Peon. You know nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 
That's also another interesting point because that's like such a Michael Crichton book, right? Name a Michael Crichton book and it's a no Michael Crichton book. No one could have written a book this good. This is so good. But I wanted to go back to what Jesse said about how um, people don't have any challenges. That was one of the first things I wrote about when I just got so upset by this whole situation. Yeah. COVID, was um, Alexander Solhenitsyn, who, you know, survived the gulags. And he had this mm-hmm. really fascinating speech he gave at Harvard in 1978. If you haven't read it, you have to read it. And he talks about how Western civilization is going to be destroyed basically due to a weakness of character because people just have too much comfort and they're never challenged. And he says it's just going to blow up in their faces. They don't have the spiritual progress that the Eastern people have, you know, had to go through some hardships and we haven't. Mm -hmm. I think I just found it. I'm going to link it to it in our show notes because that's probably going to be as badass as you Yeah, I read that and I was like, wow. I love Zolzhenitsyn. (laughs) He spoke the truth. Yeah. And then you give them this task. It's like, okay, save grandma. And they're totally yep. into it. Stay they home. Like, wear five masks. <laughs> they all put that circle on their Facebook profile picture that says stay home and save lives. I'm just uh, like covering my yeah. face with my hands. I know. I, it was really sad. I mean, and um, your fear, your, your um, Twitter bio right now, um, it's probably been this for a while, but fear is not a virtue. All of a sudden, all those people had that virtue or they were able to feel virtuous by doing what they were told and saving lives, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I was, I was killing entire villages because I <laughs> continued to see my family. They exploited that need to fit in. You know, everybody wants to put that stuff on their Facebook profile. Now it's, I got my vaccine, you know, put your vaccine. I'll be like, they're trying to make Fully vaccinated. But the really ironic thing and another thing that just brought me back to the whole cluster B psychopath thing is it's, it was a lie that um, if everyone, all the healthy people shelter themselves and avoid getting infected, that that would save more old people. It's a known thing. There's scientific articles out there that, when you protect the people who would easily fight off the infection, then more vulnerable people will get it. So it yep. increases the death count. So they said they were saving grandma and they were killing grandma. And they said people like you and me who were out living our lives, I never followed their rules, yeah. that we were killing grandma. And that was a lie. So unless you see through that and are you know have a strong enough character to not be controlled by this social force that they tried to po- impose on us, you're just stuck and a lot of people i got so many emails from people thanking me for speaking out but they were never willing to do it themselves they just were too scared they didn't want to lose their connections and stuff and so there were few people who would you know who were like feeling the moral imperative to just say bs you know yeah yeah i think that's the thing is like i I, I really feel like covid i really feel like donald trump's and COVID together really just kind of weeded out like who in your life you needed to get rid of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, a good, what a good detox. Yeah. That's so true. And so in a way it was a good thing. It was a healthy thing, you know? It really is. You don't find out who people really are until you see them challenged. That's, there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it goes back to, again, like we've lived such, most of us, you know, anybody listening, honestly, like everybody has their own individual hardships and um, things they go through in their life, but we've lived in such a lap of luxury that 
we haven't had such trying times uh, forced upon us yet. Like, you know, most of the people living in, in this younger generation, like, you know, okay, everybody points to the, the, the greatest generation and everybody who killed the Nazis, right? Like, and obviously they lived through some difficult times too, but it's like, I, I, like, where are those people besides maybe dead and or murdered by Cuomo and other governor's yeah. murderous policies? Um, is that a coincidence? Um, I don't know. <laughs> They're the only people I see not wearing masks. It's always the really old people around here outside Ooh. New York City. They just, they're like, whatever, you guys. And it's the 20-year-olds who all have them on. And they feel like, I have friends who have teenage kids. And they, even if the parents take off the mask, the teenagers feel like they should wear it. So it's, I find that really sad. That's scary, actually. And that goes to show just what is happening with, like, the education Peer pressure is a big... Yeah, that too. Yep, I know. It's so widespread. Um, so actually, I guess I kind of, now that like, as you keep throwing like these awesome things at me, I want to know kind of more about your actual background. Like, I think I saw in um, your AIER um, bio that you were a former litigator. So kind of how did you get to where you are right now? I'm a lawyer. Yeah. And I, okay. I uh, litigated for like, you know, maybe eight years or so. And then I, um, we started moving around for my husband's job. So I basically have been kind of like inactive. I've written some briefs for, you know, like as an independent contractor, but I haven't done much since like 2010, but I, um, you know, I've been busy raising kids and stuff. And really this, I mean, the COVID thing is what kind of took me out of my sort of mini retirement I always intended to get back to work when my kids were older but this just started me writing I just felt like I had to write and I started posting on medium and the person who found me was Martin Kuhldorf nice. from Harvard. and he found me and started writing to me on Twitter and thanking me for what I was doing and then I read what he was writing and somehow we both Jeff, Jeffrey Tucker read both of our stuff he's the at AIER mm -hmm. Yeah. And he wrote an article that named both of us um, and someone else. I forget who the third person was. And then he invited us to AIER. So then we had this weekend, I think it was at the end of August, where Martin was there, I was there, um, you know, a bunch of staff at AIER. And we kind of just brainstormed, how are we going to attack this anti-lockdown movement? How do we organize, you know? And there were so many different groups trying to do that same thing. It's been really tough to organize. I tell you, I've been trying to organize lawyers all over the country. It's just a nightmare. It's so the lawyers are asleep. Like well, I love they're they're all controlled by their corporate overlords. Is That's the problem? True. You've got to find brave people who are willing to make a personal sacrifice, and it might actually hit their income. And they mm -hmm. just won't do it. There's very few people who will do it. Yeah. But sad but so that's been the struggle all year so I, I was I've been writing I've been working for Panda out of South Africa um, and then just kind of independently trying to connect people with attorneys for the, all of these many many um, lawsuits related to the lockdowns and the economic damages and the mandatory vaccines are hitting a lot of people now at their workplaces their college students can't go back to college unless they get a vaccine even if they have antibodies so there's all kinds of legal issues um, but I haven't done, I haven't, you know, Jeffrey Tucker offered to pay me. I didn't want to turn this mercenary. So everything I've done, I've volunteered. That's awesome. And actually, that is exactly how I found you now that you mentioned it. Um, it had to have been through Jeffrey Tucker. And actually, we had him on earlier this year in January um, to talk about his book. Um, because, like, again, like I said earlier, 
there weren't enough people kind of immediately sounding the alarm like this is totalitarian no matter what you think about this virus this is wrong on so many levels and can we at least admit that before we start screaming and running around with them like chickens with their head cut off and he was excellent mm-hmm. from the get-go so um i'm very happy that he found you and martin Koldorf and like I just like that's another one of the, like the silver linings and the the positive things to take from this past year is who it did bring like so like Jesse said it was a good detox <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know it showed who we didn't want in our lives but it also showed who we do specifically want in our lives and in our communities and the voices standing up for us and and the voices standing up for those who don't even know that they need somebody to stand up for them. Yeah, and it was sort of surreal. You know, we would get together at AIER, like the weekend we the Great Barrington Declaration was signed. I'm sure you know about that, right? Yeah, right. I feel like that's going to go down. I hope, you know, the way I see it, like, and I'm starting to think more about it, is that, you know, that's going to be, I think, hopefully as important a document someday as some of our, like, early founding debates and documents and letters and organizations, you know? Like, the stuff that put, like, the panic aside fear aside and focus on what was actually the most important thing which was our individual liberties right and it's just amazing because it was like when we were there we live in this alternative reality you know well we live in what i consider to be actual reality where we're you know yeah Mm -hmm. there are viruses that do kill old people and sometimes there's a random young person that even dies from it and that's always been that way and it's it will always be that way Mm-hmm. And there's no way to control that by wearing, you know, hazmat and, you know, staying home all the time and stuff. Like, I just don't believe that that works. So we live in that reality. And then there were, you know, a few journalists came to this Great Barrington signing and, you know, they were in their masks and they're like, aren't you scared? And I'm like, no, I'm not scared. <laughs> and it was just kind no, of No, I can read data, right? <laughs> I'm sitting there at this table with Martin Kuldorf, Sinetra Gupta, and Jay Bhattacharya, who are three um, of the world's most preeminent scientists on this exact issue. And they're not wearing masks, and we're having dinner. And then he would come over, and he'll be in a mask. And I'm like, are you an epidemiologist from Harvard, Stanford, or Oxford? You know, but it's like he lives in this reality where there's a very scary disease here, and he better make sure he doesn't contract it and bring it home to grandma, you know? Yeah. It's just really fascinating how they, you know, it it just felt like we're in this alternative universe for a year. And I'm ready for that universe to go away, the one the media created. I'm absolutely ready for it to die. It needs to. I'm and I'm a nurse, so, you know, I've been trying to look at, through some of my peers, and it's, like, split in half, you know. I, my, I have some friends that they think that they, they were, like, panicking. They thought that we all needed to stay home and wear a mask. And then there were some that were just like, this is ridiculous. This is all overblown. And, and to be quite honest, the ones that were saying this is overblown, like, the one I know of for sure, she's been – going to like she went to new york and she went to texas when we were supposedly at the height of the pandemic so she saw yeah you're everything nurse, you're traveling firsthand nurse yeah yeah so um she was the one that was like this really i mean yeah it's killing people but those people are already really sick so uh we're also doing we're also not handling it well we're putting people on ventilators right away and we shouldn't yeah. be 
And, uh, but then the people like my other nurse friends that were panicking about it, they weren't dealing with it firsthand. So I, to me, it's just like, I, I, I don't know how so intelligent people don't get it. Like they don't see it. I, to me, that's the most baffling thing of this whole thing is how seemingly intelligent people fell for this alongside the rest. I think they're really plugged into their favorite political, you know, they're, it's, I think it's a known thing that your critical thinking kind of shuts off when you're that aligned with say a political party and you really mm-hmm. believe like the New York times is like the gospel to them, literally mm-hmm. it's like part of their religion. So right. they just can't believe that their party could be wrong about something and that Trump could have been right. Trump said, you know, don't let the cure be worse than the disease. Well, the numbers are in, we have a lot of control groups throughout the world that places that didn't panic and didn't lock down. Yeah. And if you look at the flu years in Sweden, there's a recent article that put this all out real well, I can send you, email you the link. Yes, please. But basically, you know, there was a deficit of like about 300 deaths per million in Sweden from 2019, 2020 flu year, which is weeks, Mm -hmm. whatever to whatever of the year, you know, they start in September and end in whatever. And then the next year, which was the year that encompassed the, the bad spring of COVID, they were like 300 per million above um, the average. So really, they just made up the deficit. And that's a well-known thing that when you have a low death year, you usually make it up. And it's much better than the reverse. You don't want to have average, 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 and then a super high year and then, and then a low year because a bunch of people died early, right? Yeah. You're about to live an extra year. Yeah. So it's actually just a known natural thing. And there's, there was literally, it, it, sh- it shows what would happen with the flu. It really doesn't show much else. So, I mean, it's hard for people to wrap their mind around that, but the numbers are the numbers. They're online. You can go to Sweden's website and, you know, view them yourself. In the numbers in America though, how, I, I just wonder what if we had just not put people on ventilators right away? What if we had tried BiPAP and CPAP first? What if we would have given people mm-hmm. hydroxychloroquine or ivermexin instead of withholding That's, that because Donald Trump said something about making it? making it illegal, like even worse, yeah. you know? What if we did all of those things? And then we also gave people uh, the prednisone and the, um, the other uh, inhalers and stuff like that that, we, that were supposedly well. And what if we made sure people got vitamin D? What if we made sure that everybody got zinc? You yeah. know, what if we had actually done the actual job of what the CDC is supposed to do and educate people on how to stay healthy. Then there wouldn't have been a death wave and there would have been nothing that the media could have made us panic over. And that's like, that's what I'm saying. It's like that the death numbers to me are fabricated. They're, they're, they're just bumped up. They murdered people in my opinion. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So that they could get their numbers up and like the Dr. Fauci emails, that were that just got released. Ooh. I mean, that just proves it to me. And I, my mom, I told my mom about it um, yesterday, and she was like, "So he literally said that hydroxychloroquine would work mm-hmm. in those emails." And I said, "Yes." And she looked at me, and she just was like, "So he basically killed all those people." Not yes, basically. he did kill those people. <laughs> they, they and now you know why I was furious all year mm-hmm. and i just that's like i get I, I don't understand how more healthcare workers don't are not just furious yeah it's really scary well some doctors have tried very hard to get out the the frontline doctors i mean i yeah. see yeah. a lot of impassioned doctors trying to say look we're killing people. 
and the lockdown just panicking people. And I'm, I've met two people whose teenagers committed suicide in the past year. Personally. Oh my God. And that's to do with the isolation. And those are avoidable. Those are actually avoidable deaths, you know, avoiding yeah. deaths from the flu to a certain extent, maybe you can minimize them. Like if you're doing things like Jess is saying, giving vitamin D, advising people how to have good immune health, but you can't avoid all of them. But these suicides, you did not need to send those teenagers home and give them no hope. No one understands what the end point is to this. Do we always have to wear masks and socially distance? Like what's the end of it? And they're depressed and that was all avoidable. So there's so much carnage and that's why I like to look at places that stayed calm as the control group, because they don't have all those mm -hmm. lockdown, you know, deaths. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the psychological effect, because I remember when we first did go into lockdown and, and we were mandated to wear masks, I remember walking into Walmart and it looked like I was like Auschwitz. It was just like the craziest thing. Like we were all quarantined to go in one way and go out the other way. Everybody was wearing a mask. You couldn't tell if anybody was happy or sad. It, it has a psychological effect on you. So I can only imagine as a teenager when you're still trying to figure out who you are and you're mm -hmm. all of the things that teenagers go through and then you can't go to school all of a sudden, everything's shut down. I can, it had, it had to have some kind of psychological effect on them as well. Cause it had on me. Yeah, absolutely. I have little kids who are, you know, at the time nine and seven, I think when this started, they came home from school and their hands were chapped and like even one of them I'm bleeding in a spot because they were, the teachers were having them wash their hands so oh much. Oh my gosh. So paranoid. So when the schools closed, I was able to calm her down and just talk to her and educate her. But it was amazing how much the school bought into the panic. And even just that, scaring children that they're going to kill their grandparents just by yeah. being human beings who could carry, a, you know, they're not even sick. So like all their lives, are they going to think, oh my God, what if I am asymptomatic and I'm going to go hug this? I know. Are they going to die? I mean, will they ever get past that? I don't know. You only know? with, um, only with the right education and, and, you know, hearing the right voices, re coming across the right resources. Not everybody um, have that privilege. I know. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, I, some would say that having an open mind is a privilege. <laughs> um, but it kind of is. It is. It's a huge, huge advantage, like having a superpower. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's hard because it's hard to find information that, doesn't go alongside with what CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times is saying. It's hard to find that alternative media. And if you are, I mean, you just, let's say you just are a blue collar worker and you've worked a 12 hour shift and you just want to catch up on the news. So you turn on your local news channel. Just or so the you radio, get, you know. Yeah, just so you can get some kind of idea of what's going on in the world. You My only get so much. That exact thing I was telling him, I, you know, I've written a lot about China's involvement and I was telling him about how the propaganda was that people were falling down dead on the street, just walking down the street. We know that didn't happen. That's not how the disease manifests now. So we know that was false and that was intended. And there's all kinds of propaganda uh. that they were posting on social media against like Christy Noam in South Dakota. Oh, you're committing genocide when they're the ones committing mm. genocide. And he, that's what he said. He was like, it's really hard to find information other than what CNN puts out. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of people in that, in that spot, you know, they, they don't have time to sit like I did and spend however many thousand hours learning all about epidemiology and microbiology 
and, you know, pandemic management and reading mm -hmm. all the CDC guidelines, which I've taken the time to do. And then the people who will try to tell me I'm just irresponsible and I'm a killer have not yeah. spent any time they sat in front of the TV and that's all they did. And then yeah. they look at me and say that I'm the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just don't care what they say. A lot of people do care. That's the sad thing. And I think that's our biggest problem is that most yeah. people care what other people think of them a lot. They care yeah. about that a lot. And you have to get to a point where you care about what you think of yourself more than what other people think of yourself. And a yeah. lot of people just aren't there yet. That is probably the biggest lesson I learned is that, you know, I, I'm going to have to have a lot more faith in myself because I can't trust all these other sources. So I have to do the work myself in order to, to find the answers. Mm -hmm. And a lot, unfortunately, a lot of people are public, public school educated and they're told to just trust your teachers, listen to what they say, uh, you know, respect authority. And so they, they've just been programmed mm -hmm. to not question things. And here we are. So I'm paying a lot of attention to my kids' education now. A lot of good things have come out of it in that mm -hmm. I, I just didn't realize how deep the problems were. And yep. Yeah. It was me, you know, at least I know, so I, can, I have some power over it. Whereas before I didn't, I wasn't aware, so I wasn't doing anything. But public education is a huge, huge issue right now. Yeah, uh, I'm doing the same thing with my kids too. And um, I've, my daughter right now, she hates wearing masks. And um, luckily next year, they're not going to have to wear masks. Thank God. But um, they done the school year there. Yeah, they're done. That's good. Um, and they've already decided, I guess, next year, they're not going to wear masks. And they're, they have, they have summer school. They're doing a summer school program now because all the virtual kids didn't learn anything. Yeah, surprise. So now they're having a catch up program for all these kids who need to catch up. Oh, sounds expensive oh gosh and just it's amazing i mean this has been going on for over a year when they announced a two-week closure i thought that was catastrophic Same. <laughs> yeah. oh my god how could they do that and just went on i couldn't believe the year got canceled and then i tried so hard to get it to reopen in september i wrote a petition i was trying to you know be an activist and get everybody mobilized and i got a lot of signatures but you know they're going to do what the governor says. And our governor yeah. is terrible in New Jersey. He's like Hitler. Yeah, so, no, he's <laughs> one of the worst. So Yeah, so I had to put my kids in private school. It's so expensive. And, you know, we hadn't planned. <sighs> so that's been tough. I mean, it's a great school or whatever. Yeah. But they're still following all the COVID stuff. We had a lot of quarantines. Someone tested positive. They're not even sick. Eee. Even though the kids sit six feet apart in masks, everyone needs to go home for two weeks. I mean, and plexiglass and all oh, that crazy stuff. The plexiglass is hilarious. It's like, do they think the germs can't go over that or like around that? I mean, <laughs> bonkers. Like what? <laughs> no, I mean, like you, you, you sort of said something like it earlier, like people i had to tell i had to remind people like and so again like it's been really difficult for me because i work in i work as a, like i'm basically a liaison between doctors and other medical experts like other researchers scientists and lawyers because we do a lot of work on behalf in, in a toxic tort litigation mm -hmm. and um product liability so that yeah. also gives me a very unique uh, look on all this because yeah. everybody bought all of this hook line and sinker uh -huh. And there has been one dissenter, one dissenting expert of mine who quit her, the work she was doing 
on behalf of one of these clients or one of these um, companies that's rolling out vaccines. And she said, you know, like I was looking at, you know, I was looking at literature and, and helping them on this subject. And I totally like, you know, agreed with what was going on there. Um, but like, I cannot, I absolutely cannot just sit by, sit back and, and continue working for them if this is what they're doing with the vaccines right now. Like there's no reason to be doing this. And so, but uh, besides her, that's the only dissenter. Like every single other person I work with or on behalf of, like everybody's following and worshiping the CDC, even though on a normal day-to-day -day basis, it's like, well, here's why the C CDC is wrong. Here's why OSHA is wrong. Here's yeah. why this science sucks. Here's why, like, actually maybe the company is at fault and maybe they should pay because they did cause this person's disease. And then that gets us into like this place that we're at. And like, I'd appreciate your perspective as a um, litigator and, and the fact that you have been kind of like trying to spur along some of these lawsuits. It's like, I know that we live in a overly litigious society. And I think that's the cause of a lot of problems. And it's not a good look. It's not, it's, it's almost like welfare in a way, honestly. It's a, it's a source of welfare. Like these sick people are kind of taken advantage of um, and some are legitimately sick, but what they're claiming they're sick from is obviously not what they're actually like going to court and trying to argue. It's like they're sick from either some other environmental toxin, from some kind of genetic anomaly. It's not because they opened a box of floor tiles at one point in their career and asbestos, right? So a scary word like asbestos, a scary word like a virus. But so, you know, and interestingly enough, we've been doing, and some of the experts I work with, like have been doing some of this like COVID consulting and it's being done in order to help companies avoid lawsuits later on, like where um, a plaintiff might say, well, your company's policy was X and because of that, I got COVID, right? And so they're kind of like, they were preemptively working to and enacting policy to avoid those later lawsuits. That's but here we are. But here we are now and on that like there's no way they're going to prove causation because they're I know that Argentinian Navy ship they had like a 14 day quarantine in a in a hotel isolated and then they all tested negative for covid they got on the ship 35 days later they had this big outbreak of covid on the ship wow perfect quarantine and then there's that party in antarctica it's a different coronavirus in 1969 they were in antarctica for 17 weeks and all of a sudden someone got this bad cold and then everybody else got it too so it's like wow. you're never going to prove where you were for the last 57 days in order to eliminate all the numerous places that you could have gotten covid it's impossible mm -hmm. So I don't know why they're even worrying about that. I don't know. Again, because it, it's similar to, I guess, like the government's idea sometimes. And, and, and it's like the most generous thing we could give the government that they do things so that it looks like they're doing something and people want them to be doing something, right? So similar mm -hmm. to like these big corporations, they're doing something so that it looks like they're doing something so people won't say and get mad at them for not doing anything. But so here we are, like as this shit kind of should be coming to an end drastically like yesterday you know here we are with the vaccines being rolled out and if there's a vaccine injury the companies will not be 
responsible. That's why they, I mean, it's so um, lucrative for them. I mean, the taxpayers pay the injuries as the vaccine court. I think it's paid out billions in damages that taxpayers have funded. So it's the perfect business model. Every single person in the world must have this vaccine because there is no natural immunity, even though there's all kinds of science out there, you know, proving that there is substantial natural immunity. And there's antibodies, but we got to ignore all that because everybody needs the vaccine. I mean, can you think of a better way to make money? Yeah. You're not liable for the Yeah, It's it's perfect. It's amazing. It's it's like free, free. They're just like printing money. And, and here I am, like, I'm like, not everybody kind of knows it yet just because I'm trying to lay low. Um, But, you know, it's going to start becoming more known that I'm going to end up being like the only person there that's not getting this vaccine. Like everybody else is like celebrating it and like, which one did you get? Which one did you get? And I'm like, <laughs> so what's next on the agenda this week for work? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm again, the boss, like, I'm the boss. Like I'm the one who's like, okay, let's focus on things that matter. Like your next deadline. Tell me about that. And, um, and I've, I've not been into this crap all year. Meanwhile, they all have. And I try to bring, like I've tried to bring, and I've been on all the calls, you know, like I hear everything. Um, it's all confidential and privileged for the most part, like anything specific, but I'm, I'm able to bring away concepts that I think further strengthen the fact that I think this is bullshit. And, um, and I think that says something, you know, like, but like, I try to talk people down. Like, I try to make sure that they're not over-exaggerating. I, tr- I, I try to do what I can without, obviously, like, making myself seem like the craziest person on the planet, but, um, which I know I'm not. We know I'm not. Like, there's definitely other crazy people out there. Um, At least you get to keep your job if you don't get it. I mean, I've heard from a lot of people who I know. are saying, you're out if you don't take this, which is incredible. Which, which again, it's like... So I guess the point I was, a long-winded point I was trying to make is we kind of need to tap into that overly litigious um, side of our society and start suing anybody. I mean, like we already said, like it's a huge issue that the vaccine companies will not be held accountable because they do not have liability for anything that happens to somebody who happens to take one of their injections. But it's like, if a company is mandating it, fucking, they need to be sued. Like, if a school is requiring it, they need to be sued. Johns Hopkins Hospital is not mandating this thing. And maybe it's just for now, while it's um, not FDA approved, like it's only under the emergency authorization, so maybe they will draw a mandate line later. But that says something to me too. Johns Hopkins Hospital is not mandating this shot. Like. Everybody listening, these people are like the game makers. These are the people that did Event 201. They know things. That's and not mandating it. That's interesting. Well, I think that they should face liability. I haven't looked into that, but if they're forcing people to get it and people maybe put them on notice, everyone should make sure their employer is on written notice that they object and they, they're only doing it under coercion and threat of losing their job and make sure that gets into their HR file because then if there is, God forbid but there will be injuries, then at least they have that record that they objected, they were forced. And maybe Hopkins yep. or whoever else should should pay for that. Yeah. People, somebody needs to pay. I mean, like, again, I, the work I do on a day-to-day basis, it's trying to help companies that are generally getting wrongly sued 
for causing somebody's disease, somebody's injury. And it's like, this does not lead to that. And so your complaint against our client does not make sense. Like, here's all the literature to prove it. Here's decades of science to prove it. Like, here's, you know, this agency, that agency, you know, here's where we might uh, disagree with this agency or that agency, but also here's where they support this stuff. And it's like, you know, there's just decades of just very thoughtful, insightful scientific research. Because they, to defend the lawsuit, they have to pay attorneys, they have to pay people like you, they have to pay experts. So there's, there's money in that pot and then mm-hmm. they break down and they pay the plaintiff some of it to go away. And then yeah. that's positive reinforcement. So, I mean, yep, there, it that's is. every industry and in all over the country is like all these frivolous lawsuits. They'll sue anything out knowing that just to do a motion to dismiss the thing on rule 12, right? When you get it in, is going to cost the, I mean, depending on the lawsuit, it's obviously tens of thousands, could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they, they know they're going to get a piece of that pie. The company would rather pay a smaller amount to the plaintiff than to the lawyers. It's a really, really, really corrupt system. It really is. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, it, those are the individual battles that um, are worth fighting. And I mean, people like you, like your colleagues, anybody that you're, you've been able to connect people with, like to do this work thus far, I mean, I know it's not getting nearly enough as much attention as it needs to or should, but, and, you know, here I am kind of more on, like, more seeing from the medical side what's going on, like, and paying attention Mm -hmm. to medical voices and scientists um, that might be dissenting, besides, like, the expert I already mentioned, like, she and I are close now, but, um, like, I don't see, like, all all the attorneys I work with and on behalf of, like, you know, they're totally, they're, they're fully vaccinated. They've been locked down since March. Like they don't go into their office, their yoga pants and laptop class. And, you know, like, I mean, it's kind of funny though, because right now, and I don't know if you, you see any of this like happening, but like right now, like we're witnessing and experiencing all the courts opening back up and nobody's ready for it. And it's just like, oh shit. Like, all hands on deck. Like you've got to travel now. Hope you're ready. And, um, so it, it's, get out of your it's pajamas. get out of your pajamas. Um, you probably need new, new clothes. Cause I know I gained some weight this past year. I didn't really see it sneaking up on me, but it did. So I'm sure a lot of other people who are even less active than I am did too. It's like, get your travel gear on and, uh, hit the road for a trial next week. Right. Yeah, it's been, it's, it is funny how, do you follow Michael Singer out of Atlanta? He's a lawyer. I've done a lot of work with him. He wrote the Chinese um, global lockdown propaganda campaign on tablet. We did a huge amount of work with like, I don't know, we had a retired general involved, some human rights activists. We did a huge piece on Medium. It's like a 70 minute read about just going through the evidence of malfeasance basically. Um, leading up to the lockdowns, but he is one of the few attorneys that has been willing to um, speak out. And I've talked to so many, and there's one in um, Ohio litigating that Renz lawsuit, R-E-N-Z. They're going straight to the heart of whether there's an emergency. Um, They're making the argument that the governor has no basis to even declare an emergency based on the disease numbers, which is a smart way to approach the problem. Because there have been a lot of other lawsuits that are kind of just swatting flies while leaving the door open. And this is just like goes to the heart of it. 
So there are some lawyers out there, but by far and away, it's like you're saying, all of them are just, you know, following the narrative, getting the vaccine, staying home, you know, being yeah. obeying. Yeah. And then, They're you horrible. know, and I mentioned the COVID consulting. So like even, even not those types of calls over the past year, it's like the subject would change to COVID. They'd be like, what's going on? And it'd be like, it's scary. <laughs> and it's just like, is it really? Like, is it, is it really that different from what last year's flu season was? Or like, you know, what an ICU is normally? Or, you know, I don't know. It's just, and today, today I heard. Go ahead. I was going to say today I, I, and it's something that like, you know, I've been waiting to kind of hear more of from my own, you know, inner circle, but as Jesse and I know, like, cause she's got nurse con contacts and we follow other nurses. Like I said, we follow, we try to follow a lot of like anybody who's basically in the medical sphere that's dissenting. We're like, got to follow them. Mm -hmm. Need to hear what they're saying. Need to hear what um, truth they're speaking. And so like, you know, a as you're probably aware, there were so many facilities and hospitals and in the individual workers. A lot of people were furloughed. A lot of people were fired. A lot of people were downsized. And, um, like, because they just were not receiving volume. Like they did not have patients mm -hmm. to take care of. They did not have patients to see and empty clinics, like stuff like that. And so the, like one of the like pulmonary function testing labs at, um, at Hopkins is severely limited right now in staffing just because they had to let a lot of people go. Mm -hmm. It's like pulmonary yeah. function testing. <laughs> for this respiratory virus pandemic we just had <laughs> right do, like yeah, why does this not connect to anybody and these people are smarter than me cnn would never report that that's no knows it's happening except you and your mm -hmm. platform does no offense but it doesn't compare to cnn so no yeah, even you know as much traction as we've gotten and there are people like scott atlas who actually had a really big platform and was saying all the right things, incredibly intelligent, good person, not getting anything but heat from what he did. Yeah. I don't know why people don't think about that. It's like, why does, what does Scott Atlas get from telling you this stuff? Why do you think right? he's evil? You know, and, and then try yeah. to think about what the other people are, are getting from this. Like they're, you know, they're selling you stuff. They're selling you tests. They're telling you, you need all these tests are like $200 each and you keep getting them. Mm. And then they want to give you a vaccine and they, you know, they're making money. The tech people are getting richer. Amazon's getting richer. Like I can think of a lot of money on the other side, but Scott Atlas isn't getting anything but his reputation dragged through the mud. And he was saying all the right stuff. That was really brave. Mm -hmm. so there are some remarkably brave and super, super on point done a fantastic job with this, but they just don't get the press. So people like you and me know about it, but the public you know, unless they're mm -hmm. really searching, you know, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's, and searching does take energy. We get it. Like we already talked about, you know, a lot of people don't have that energy, that time. And, and I think um, some of them like the lockdown. Like, I mean, I just knew it was wrong. People were dying, but it's been great for me. I mean, my husband's been home. He's been driving the kids to school. We made our house went way up in value, you know, our every stocks are doing great, whatever. It's all awesome for me. I play tennis like four hours a day. It's like great. But you know, I, so I think some people just are like, well, I'm not going to fight against this because I like it. You know, it's I know. Like, it's and that's what's, that's what's 
yeah. too bad. Yeah. And that's what I've noticed is the people that fight for lockdown or really enjoy it are the, the ones that are the privileged ones. And they're the ones that are shaming all the ones that want to go back to work because they're about to lose their, their house, their life is falling well, apart. There's no, yeah. They can't imagine what it's like to be, I, I would make this point um, in Newark, New Jersey, which is nearby here and very, you know, less privileged than where I live in Short Hills. They have, they live in small apartments. They're not nice apartments. They have multiple children in there who now aren't going to school. It's a single mother mm. whose job in the hospitality industry is about to disappear. And she's super stressed out and the kids are all over the place and their friends live down the hall. Do you really think she's going to socially distance her kids for a year? Nope. You yeah. really think and she's she better not. <laughs> they can't do that. And then I was taking, um, I was worried about the tennis pros. So I was taking tennis lessons like outside, all the indoor courts were closed. It was like March or April freezing cold, but we would go to these outdoor courts. And I saw these people like pushing a push lawnmower and like a gas can down the street and like asking people if they could mow their lawn for $10. Cause their job they don't have ah. work. like they're not not everybody has these secure jobs with a stable paycheck they work by the job they work on contract they work maybe they're off the books whatever so all those people are just like oh my god how are we gonna eat you know they don't know what just happened to the world nobody does really but i mean it's awful if your paycheck stops but the people who are rich they just can't get in those shoes they they lack yeah. empathy i just have to say it. they really can't empathize yeah, they, they say, well, at least they're alive. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, at least they're alive. They can't do their job if they're dead. <laughs> We're all going to die. Chicken yeah. Meat. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. Well, how do you argue with that? You know, they've just made it an impossible argue. You know, you can't refute that. We that just, I, that I don't know if you should. That's just, Adam, that's just, to me, just complete and utter idiocy. But they, <laughs> like, they, I'm like, they, I would just look won. at you. <laughs> they think they won the debate, Jesse. They, they're like, I just shut her down. Yeah. I, would, I literally have said to somebody like, I'm speechless because of the, just how stupid you sound. <laughs> and then I just leave it. <laughs> and then, yeah. And the argument is like, well, you have to be nice. And sometimes I think that you, you don't have to be nice all the time. If it's just because sometimes you're just pandering to their stupidity. It's better to just be brutally honest. Yes. They have, they expect you to be nice. They don't know how to deal with people who aren't nice because that's how they control us. They make us feel like we have to be nice. Right. And, and nice doesn't, in my opinion, you're not being nice to me if you're lying to me and you're just making me feel good while you're, you know, hurting other people around yeah. me. So I'd much rather you be honest with me, even if it hurts my feelings. Right. There's not enough of that in the world. Some people would just want friends who just tell them what they want to hear, you know, do whatever you want. And I'll just say you're doing the right thing. Well, how, how helpful is that? I'm going to drive myself right up a cliff. <laughs> Because yeah. I don't have any good advice. All my friends are just like, oh, you're perfect, Stacey. You're doing you everything go, right. You go, you know? girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I need a friend who's going to tell me, like, you really went wrong there. I think you took that a little too far. You know, that's that's valuable. But yeah. no one does that. Few people do it. You yeah, guys it's rare. Yeah. <laughs> you guys would tell me when I was doing some stupid shit. Just especially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's my specialty. 
I would try I would try and like suggest you do other things like maybe let's try this instead <laughs> um because I'm a little not great at being mean but it's I'm like the bear you don't want to poke that if you keep poking me then I'll finally probably explode and then I might bite your head off um yeah. which you know again like everybody I'm I it's uh it's been kind of a blessing that we don't have to interact with too many people that we don't want to interact with anymore because they've kind of already decided that we're crazy and they don't want to interact with us, but you know, great. Like that's less energy of mine that I have to waste on, on them. Um, so that's good. And they usually get replaced by really cool people. Like I have friends in the world now, just brilliant people, geniuses that we've all found each other because of COVID. And yeah. Whoever thinks I'm not cool because I don't want to wear like a napkin on my face, fine. I yeah, fine. You're weird, right? <laughs> like, fine, loser. Yeah, right. Like there are certain I people, watched. certain friends I have that I, like have been like hardcore mask all year, and I'm just like, I'd rather not see you again. If like the next time I see you, you're gonna insist that I wear a mask because I'm unvaccinated and you don't have to because you're you are like that was your dumb choice and this is my choice you know like why can't we just all make choices right yeah. i know and, and especially when they made that double mask argument i was like this oh is my god because that had we can been say we can, if double masks work then they can wear two to four and i'll wear none right yeah right perfect <laughs> how do you refute yeah. that yeah, double yeah how long did that last i think that pretty much died like immediately <laughs> i think I knew. They put that as a test they're like how strong is the fear still and like if everybody puts on two masks we're gonna know they're really scared and i i thought they were testing it i don't know mm-hmm. it it seemed again from like our perspective like we're all a little bit more critical we're all a little bit more skeptical and so and understanding that government will do whatever they want really to um secure their power but I did, I still, I just recently saw somebody in a double mask and I knew people were, that were doing the double mask thing. And I'm just like, are you kidding? Like, I, like that was a joke, right? Like I didn't take that seriously. I mean, I didn't take any of this thing seriously and, I, and I've expressed that before, but you really, you really went double mask. <laughs> and it's sort of like, why didn't Fauci tell me earlier? Like I could have been doing that all year. And it yeah, right. Paper, you know? And then he's like, well, in, in the beginning, he said, we know from the emails and all kinds of other yeah. evidence, he was saying, don't wear masks. It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. But then he was like, well, I was just trying to save it for the healthcare workers. But uh-huh. then people have been wearing bandanas and like whatever cloth, and that's fine with him. And he could have said that from day one. Everybody's got a bandana. So, I mean, there's so many logical you know, faults in their logic. I, my head just spins. I could never get them all down on paper. It's just so people don't understand logic at all. Yep. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's a lost art. It seems sadly. And unfortunately, like I'm on the younger end of the, I think like podcast sphere, I don't know, not, not a lot of younger, like severely younger people than me are doing this um, routinely. Some are, and good for them, you know, because they're even even rarer amongst um, their peers than I kind of am. But, I mean, it's just madness out there. And so, like, my education versus maybe your and um, Jesse's education, which, you know, 
was taking place a few years before me, it's like, I think it's just like been a gradual decline. And, but then there's like, I think a sharp drop off, like right after me where I don't even know exactly how to describe it, but I can see it with my own eyes. Like I saw it when I was in school. I can see it now with people who have graduated and are like in the workforce, just younger than me. I'm like, what happened? I think in 2008, they started that No Child Left Behind or it's somewhere about then. Yeah, I think you're right. And I I was researching this, you know, I went down so many rabbit holes with this, trying to figure out who was driving it, why they're doing it. And Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that was like put in place by um, like the, I don't know, remember if it was the Bush. well, I know that Bush did it, but it's like the trilateral commission. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Groups were involved in it. Um, the UN, the sustainable mm-hmm. development people, like this is all on their agenda. Like they did NAFTA and then Trump got rid of it. And the European Union was their thing. And then that Brexit was a problem for them. And then one of the other big things they did was this um, education thing in the US, No Child Left Behind. And that mm-hmm. was one of the other big things. So I think that's when it started. And they probably thought, okay, the timing is right now. We've got a whole generation of kids that are ripe for this, you know, panicking over killing grandma. Let's go for it. Yeah. And I think it also, like, I'll say when it comes to like public education, I think it really helps, like, it de- or it really depends on like where you live. Because I live in a community where most people are like, this is bullshit, and I'm not going to send my kid to school like this. And so a lot of that made an impact on how our schools, like, dealt with it. Like, Tennessee never shut down school, ever. Hmm. We never shut down. We Even did in have, the spring during the panic thing? During it did spring? shut down. Okay, so it shut down till because when we – when it happened, we all, our school ends in May, like, Oh, I see. So when it shut down in March, like it was only shut down for like spring a break. month. Yeah. It, it shut down on spring break. And then That's like, what ours did. we basically were out for two months, but um, I think we did some virtual stuff, but the way that they, they, they do everything at, at our school is they basically teach everything up until March anyways. And then, they get re- the kids ready for like standardized testing, which they canceled standardized testing like that year. So they really, she didn't really miss anything in school. So we were lucky with that. But then like the families got together and they said, school is going to start next year. We're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. So we never shut down school. They just gave the option to do virtual if they wanted to. So basically everybody that chose to do virtual suffered because you just can't, do public school does not know how to do virtual that's just the way it is yeah the way they had it it just was not workable so that's why they have summer school for all the virtual kids who behind that left left, (laughs) ironically right (laughs) but yeah the only thing that we depended on the county like unfortunately we have a board of health in our county that mandated masks once um we were in the state of emergency Hmm. So we fought against them and now they're, they've been take their powers been taken away. Like that's what it makes a difference. Like it really matters like where your local government is mm-hmm. and who the people you live, your community is because our community got together and said, this is not going to happen. We're not doing this. And so we had to fight, but our kids stayed in school and next year, no masks. 
our board of health has no power anymore. <laughs> yeah, our mayor is a libertarian, so it's kind of nice. Good for you. Where I live, everybody loves lockdown. They never want it to end. Mm. Yeah. They love it. They yeah. love masks. They love all of it. It's crazy. I don't get it. Mm. I, don't I mean, it's just not how I live, but what I, there's a lot of them, I can tell you that much. That's just so strange. Who knew? Who knew everybody was so crazy? I know. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> We had an idea, right? I mean, it was just like tolerable and acceptable and functional crazy. And um, now, wait, now in some ways, it's like their mental health, mental illnesses are being celebrated and encouraged. And um, it's that odd positive feedback loop. Like you know, the education thing was another thing I researched. And do you remember when and the schools were closing? It was like sorry, in schools, and we have all, all this energy. And I was like, wow, I can't believe, because obviously they would love to save money. They would send, you know, send us home to have our kids here and, you know, put on the computer and they don't have to host them and watch them. So they would love that. But there's videos from years ago projecting this, you know, they want to have a community center where you go to take tests. And other than that, the kids will be home. It seems to me like they wouldn't want to do that though, because then you could just homeschool your kids and then they would have less influence over them. Well, they'll still get your tax money, but yeah, they do want yeah. the influence. Yeah. So that is true. So I think they don't want the parents to be able to watch the videos or something. Did you hear Yeah. 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 Which is crazy. It's like so creepy. That is so creepy. So I, yeah. So something about that, like, um, so I guess what that, what that might do is allow the state or, you know, the big they to be in your homes. And so even though it's like virtual learning and like, I don't know, it might be convenient enough for enough parents to just say, yeah, let me just plug them into the TV here. Like they're going to learn, I'm going to do my work or I'm going to even leave them. Shh, don't tell the don't tell CPS or anything, um, <laughs> you know, whatever, like it might, but it's, you know, it still benefits them in some way if, if they agree, if the parents agree to it, because it does get them into their homes in a more private and intimate way than they had previously, which is also. Yeah. Well, in, in Klaus Schwab's book on the great reset, he says like, if everybody's scared of germs, he calls it if everybody's focused on health, but he, what he means is afraid of germs. Everyone will want to do their workouts from home. They'll want to do their family holidays on WhatsApp and, you know, just projecting. I think they were seeing, you know, can we get people to reduce mobility by giving them all this pathological fear of germs? Mm. And, you know, maybe education will happen from home because people will care more about not getting the flu than they do about having their kid in a classroom with other kids. Maybe there's a lot of people like that. Let's find out how many there are. What a stunt. Disturbing. Yeah. So disturbing. Totally. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, you know, lockdowns, being pro lockdown, you're a freak. I'm sorry. Like, it's just, I hope like more and more, especially as we head into the summer, um, I know I'm about as over this as, as can be. And, um, you know, ever you know, since. The people who claim that they support it are doing what they want. Like, I'll go to these parties discuss and people will discuss and they'll be like oh my god COVID is so scary like everyone has it in India like all blah blah my dad had it it was terrible he's in the hospital and then they'll be like I'm going to Aruba next week with another family e <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. I know. So they just say they support it but at the same time they're doing what they want whereas me I was out there posting on the internet you know jeopardizing my reputation saying guys we're killing people doing this and then I but I was actually staying home you know I, I was like following that you know like 
I wasn't doing the stuff that they were doing, I don't think. So kind of ironic. It is. Yeah. It's funny how like all those governors didn't even want to follow their own rules. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to follow you everything them. you need to know about what they yeah. really think about their rules. Right. And the emergency mm-hmm. and the fear factor, right? They were, they were clearly not as afraid as they wanted every one of their subjects to be. Right. The laws need to be changed on their emergency powers urgently. There needs to be very strict limits on how long they can declare an emergency. I and mean, this is crazy. They put us on house arrest. How many years do we live? They just took away, what, a, almost a year and a half now? Yeah. And how long do they plan on doing it? Well, my governor just got the legislature to give him the power to keep 12 of his executive orders in place till 2022, including Ew. asking kids. Ew. It's like, uh, really, this started in the beginning of 2020, and you, mm. you're going till 2022? Like, really? So I don't know how it got that way, but that really, really needs to be reformed. I'm sure yeah. you guys have thought of it, especially if, um, I think we were talking about this before you, before we started recording, that you previously, like, moved around a bit um, because your husband's job. Um, any chance for escape for you guys? Like, I mean, that just sounds like hell on earth. And there are other parts of this country that are not quite as hellish. I know I, I'm in favor of moving. I know a lot of people who have moved this year to, um, Florida, Tennessee, Texas, North Carolina, all, um, you know, red states yeah, where there's freedom. Um, and I'm in favor of that. My husband isn't as into it. I think he likes our situation here. Um, I don't know. I, I'm totally open to, to leaving very open. Yeah. I guess we'll maybe see where, I I mean, I hope, you know, things don't get worse up there for you guys. I hope things continue to open and people continue to defy the governor, including like even local law enforcement, like refusing to enforce stupid laws or mandates or anything like that. Any kind of break you guys can get, like, I hope that happens for you. But um, also, I really hope that kind of everybody who does have a line, like, I feel like if it gets, if they, they've given, it sounds like I hate using this language, period, but they've given us this taste of freedom, right? Like, things are opening up. Um, the mask mandates are, are going away. Like, even here in Maryland, the mask mandate is gone. There's a caveat that I don't want to repeat because fuck it. Fuck you, Hogan. But, um, <laughs> And I like, I'm not even giving credence to it. I'm acting like the caveat doesn't exist. Um, living my life here. And, but I really hope that just because it was so easy to do last year for some scary reason, I really hope that people are a lot more resistant to anything like this happening again and happening this year and happening anytime soon in our lifetimes. They will do it because why wouldn't they? I mean, they don't seize power like that and then be like, okay, you can have it back. We're we sorry. Back. <laughs> That's we love yeah. you. Yeah, no, I, know. I know. I just, they will do as much as they can whenever they can. I know what I'm just saying is I really hope that people yeah. don't I do too. give it away again. Right. In where I live, I doubt that it would work. Yeah, I but know. I in places like where Jesse is, Tennessee, I think is going to be pretty strong and um, DeSantis yeah. has been like a hero in my mind with his speaking out and talking to the right scientists and just doing yeah. that. Yeah. And Christy Noem in South Dakota has been fantastic. The Texas governor seems like he, for a while I was a little iffy on him, but he seems to be improving. So, I mean, there's some good pockets of freedom here, at least. Canada is like a concentration camp. So it is. Yeah. yeah. Be thankful for what states we have that are still free. That's true. 
And, yeah, um, that's so sad. Definitely, definitely a benefit of the federalism, like mm-hmm. you know, it not being a top down, de- not being an entirely top down, um, one size fits all. Yeah, true. Sort of, um, leadership. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. glad that people are moving and realizing that they that we're freer here. But at the same time, I really hope they realize like the reason why we're free is because we don't make the same choices that you've made yeah. up north. Well, free, well, the, the freedom the is prioritized. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. can't vote the way they voted. I think they've, the people who are moving have probably been traumatized and they have learned. I hope so. That's my and, hope. And hopefully, like, that was their last straw and they had already wanted to move, you know, and, and had already been more sympathetic and, like, specifically chose, you know, other red states. Like, I live in deep blue Maryland, but it's also sad because I'm in a more rural part of Maryland where it's like, I think, again, our rhino ass uh republican governor um he just sucked the tea to the cdc all year it seems and like had to uh, had to be strong against trump because he like he he wants to run for i can't wait to destroy his president presidential candidacy and and not vote for him and and try to turn as many republicans against him not that i'm a republican but i helped you know support this guy get elected so fuck him again um but you know so in my more rural county i hope that like if hogan like so try to like think on like local like bigger like top down like national than state than local governments and countywide in particular and then citywide and stuff like that but i really hope that like at least where i live um is going to show some resistance to him or whoever our next governor is because i think that's going to come up i guess in maybe two years or so but anyway i mean just defying these assholes in power and um, not voting to give them any more of it. I think the whole system needs to go. We need to complete. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Burn it down, start over. It's I know. Yeah. I know. I see how voting anyone in is even, yeah. gonna, you know. No, I know. And I, I would say, like, I wasn't ever a collapsitarian until maybe this yeah. past year. Yeah, no. And I now mean, I'm like, it deserves to fall. It's oh, beyond yeah. belief corrupt. I mean, it just is so bad. I, yeah. I don't know how you fix that. I don't know how you begin. But I mean, yeah. it's a good start to try to get the right person in, someone who's going to try to be do controversial things. I think Ron DeSantis is doing a good job, you know. And he needs to stay there. Yeah. They need to quit trying to push him to run for president because it will do absolutely no good for him to be president. He needs to stay in Florida. Yeah. The president seems like a puppet. I mean, I don't know that Biden yeah. makes any decisions. I think he just follows orders. Yeah. Yeah. I we agree. knew that going in there, like, especially him. Like, we all, we, if you've been kind of awake for a while, and I've, again, not been awake for terribly long, but since I've been awake, it's like, yeah, these people are not, they're not making their own decisions. Like they're definitely being heavily influenced by others and teams of others. We don't have a government. We have corporations basically. This is my, Mm -hmm. my take on it. Yeah. The powerful are running things to their benefit. The oligarchs. And pretending to be good people who really love grandma. And they definitely want to keep paying Medicare for everyone that they possibly yeah. can save for as long as possible. And everyone <laughs> believes that. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, no incentive whatsoever to kill off all the grandmas. No. I mean, so shh. Don't shh, think that. Yeah, shh, shh. Nope. Can't. Yeah. 
the, the broke government who's always trying to raise taxes <laughs> and raise money, like totally doesn't care. You know, they would love to keep paying Medicare. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I know. They love grandma. They love your grandma people. <laughs> They're thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> She's their girl. Did you treat COVID patients, Jesse? No, I like, luckily I got out of the hospital when I did. And um, I went to, I was working private duty and I've worked in hospice too which one of the biggest things I remember was when they were, you know, counting deaths and how they were counting deaths. I remember because mm-hmm. I had to pronounce deaths. So mm-hmm. I remember having to fill out all that stuff. And um, at the very beginning, even when we took them on to hospice, like we had to categorize their diagnoses. Yeah. So the way that they were categorizing deaths, that was always a bit, that was like the hugest red flag for me. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a friend who she is an ER and ICU nurse and when the pandemic, you know, started, she decided to go do travel nursing to different hotspots and um, just mostly so she could kind of see for herself, like how this is really going. And yeah, she saw what she saw was not exactly how everything was presented for sure. And I, I actually interviewed her a couple times for the podcast. Because, I was going to say, we should have her back on. Yeah. To recap. <laughs> I have a friend who's a nurse practitioner and she said, you know, it was busy. It was busy during that period, late March, early April of 2020. But mm-hmm. it's, since then there's been this designated COVID ward, but it's just not different from any other flu season. It was just this short period of time where they were busy. And that's happened in other flu seasons. They were tense. Yeah. You know, there's news stories about people being treated in tents in 2018. That's not very long ago. No. So yeah. it's not like the first time it, during this panic, when my kids were home from school, everyone was freaking out. I was checking New Jersey's website, like on an hourly basis, they would show which hospitals were di- diverting patients that would tell you who was full. And there's always some hospitals on there, even when it's not like, a, you know, flu season, sometimes there's pay- hospitals diverting for whatever reason. So the most there ever were, were nine on the peak day. And there's 72 hospitals here. So they, the whole time, even at peak, right by New York City, we're 15 miles from New York City, they could have driven patients to 60-some open hospitals here. Yeah. So never like an overflow situation. And that was the only way to justify lockdown was because it was always going to just extend the amount of time to mm-hmm. flatten the curve, but it wasn't going to eliminate infections. But then somehow people forgot about that. And then it became just stopping infections, which is impossible. But you cannot get people to realize that now. I have zero success getting people to realize how this evolved into just not complete nonsense. Because at first it was a little reasonable. It was like, okay, let's slow this down for 15 days. Let's figure it out. Yeah. And now it's like, let's stop death together by never leaving (laughs) our house. We'll never ever die ever. (laughs) But... (laughs) But if you get this experimental injection, you're going to get a free donut and like all these other things. And beer. Right? Beer doesn't kill. Uh, No. Diabetes doesn't kill. Heart disease (laughs) doesn't kill. Never talk about vitamin D or zinc or anything or how to be healthy in general. You are crazy. Go get your Krispy Kreme donut and like get injected. And that's how you get immunity now. You don't have an immune system. (laughs) But then also don't forget to put that mask right back on. Yeah. The dirty mass full of bacteria. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's basically I heard that there was actually like an upsurge of people coming into like clinics with a strep throat or something mm-hmm. similar. Mm-hmm. 
Because I know nope. that happened to my mom. She um, she wasn't quite strep that caused it, but she had a bacterial infection on in her tonsils, and um, it gave her like all the symptoms of strep, basically. Oh. And um, she's when she ever gets stuff like that. I mean, they have to put her on antibiotics immediately because she's really susceptible to pneumonia. So that mm. just wearing her mask over and over again, you know, caused her to get sick and almost gave her pneumonia. So, I mean, and that happened to my dad too later. But she's got to make that sacrifice because just in case like 10 connections down the line, there's like some vulnerable person who might get in the chain, die from her (laughs) breathing freely. Yeah. Or another crazy story that I'm like, my brother's a personal trainer and he got furloughed for a while before they allowed gyms to reopen, right? Something healthy for everybody, like, was forced to shut down, right? It's just awful. Um, But I think, like, one of his, one of his clients, like, spouses got some kind of um, antibiotic-resistant infection in their nose from constant mask use. It's, like, antibiotic resistant like that means good luck right like there's only so much you can do once um it's something that's not going to respond to sounds like MRSA typical I don't know like I can't remember I don't know exactly what it was but it was like I mean that's what MRSA is I mean that's that's the thing is that like another thing that I I never understood about the PCR test is that you scrape your nose you can have all kinds you're going to have all kinds of nasty stuff there that's like your first line of defense so just because it's in your nose doesn't mean it's systematic in your body yeah. and it's making you sick. Nothing, nothing about it made sense. Or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the masks, too. There was a 53-year-old father in my town that died playing squash in a mask. Oh, my <laughs> God. Seriously. Oh, I'm, I'm not like, laughing about not the death. Funny, like, it's like, really? Why did he? But you know why he did it was his gym mandated it. Yeah. And why were they mandating it? Because no one else, there were all these people who wouldn't play squash unless everyone was in a mask. So the guy died of heart failure playing squash in a mask. Because he had to exert himself probably just to get oxygen because he's wearing a stupid thing on his face yeah, while he's trying to exercise. Body, and it was completely <sighs> unnecessary. I mean, if you're healthy enough to play squash, you, are, you do not carry enough virus to infect another person yeah mm-hmm. and this pcr that you touched on i mean i hope you i'm sure you know and i hope the word is gradually getting out what it's complete fraud how they made that test with the yes. silico gene sequences from china mm-hmm. and it's been you know talked about by um yeden michael yeden doctor um yeah corman drosten report on the internet about just going through the the how did they have that ready to go yeah. like two days after this pandemic was declared i mean how did they it, it, none of it makes any sense except from a standpoint of malfeasance mm-hmm. yeah yeah makes me it makes me really wonder like how really how many people would have died really if we hadn't look at sweden and i think yeah the closest we'll get they probably have some extra too unless i don't know i haven't looked into were they using um hcq and ivermectin. I don't know what their treatment protocol, but I do know that they weren't ventilating everyone. They were kind of using the palliative, you know, if you were 97 and you came in with COVID, why would they intubate you? And I know that because Twitter trolls were telling me that Sweden was killing people by putting them in palliative care. I'm like, that's the standard of care. Sometimes I've, I've litigated medical malpractice suits. Mm. And sometimes if you, if you treat someone and it's a pointless, then that's malpractice. So yeah, there is over treating. Yeah. Which, yes, like that would have been actually, abused at that point. 
a lot of people think palliative care is the same thing as hospice care, but it's not. Palliative mm -hmm. care is really the priority is making the patient comfortable. You're still going to treat them for any infections and whatever comes up, but really what is more uncomfortable than not being able to breathe? Mm -hmm. So the first line of thing you're thinking you're going to, you're going to do is you're going to make this person breathe. You're going to make them more comfortable. No one's going to be comfortable with a tube down their throat and they're having to be sedated so they don't rip it out of their mouth. Yeah. You know, like, and that let's be real. Anyway, it was killing 90% of the people who got right. it. And they should have stopped that immediately. The fact that they continued that, I don't know if that Way was, too long. they were making a play on Trump to try to trap him that he didn't have enough ventilators or why they would either that or they're killing people. Because I mean, like my husband's a doctor and I was like, okay, it's been like six weeks and these ventilator patients are dying like 90%. Would you really want to ventilate your patients? He's like, no, you shouldn't. Yeah. And family members will be okay with it because they don't realize, they don't know what that means. And what they found out with COVID too, with some of these patients is that um, the people that were susceptible is that COVID also, it had it affected the tissue in the lungs. So when you're putting them on a ventilator and you're forcing air in and out of those lungs that are already damaged, you're basically making it so that you can never take them off the ventilator oh. because they will never be able to breathe on their own. They're, the tissue's already so far gone and damaged. So they killed people with ventilators. Like yes, yes. Yes. I mean, it's just like, there's so much, like as a nurse, it just makes me so mad at how many people who could have been saved and so many people who could have, if they were going to die, they could have at least had a died comfortably with their families. Their and, yeah. You know, it's just and be with their family. Yes, died alone, scared. There's some good videos of nurses on YouTube early on that I saw talking about the same things you're saying. Like they're like, "What we're doing isn't working. People are dying. I know if I do this to them, they're gonna die, and they won't let me stop. They're forcing me to do it, and they they're telling me to shut up. And then yeah. that would get YouTube would take it down." Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. incredible what we just witnessed. It's like this massive global crime in my mind that I just think it's, I hope it goes to the point of being tried and publicly acknowledged. It's happening with vaccinations too. Nurses are being told that when they see patients coming into the ER or the ICU that have had complications from, you know, they had a vaccine really recently and now they're having cardiac issues or um, neurological issues and they have to be in the ICU or they die, they're being told not to mention that they had vaccines. They're, not, they're being told not to report it to VAERS. That's another thing that's happening too. So it's just yeah. continuing. It's like round two of um, yeah. I had murder, murder by policy. Tell me just today that she had a patient try to submit a VAERS report six weeks ago. She had to wait to get some kind of a code, like a verification code. Mm. And it came like six weeks later, she tried to use it and it had expired by the time she got it. So she has to start all over again. She could be, she could have been dead by then. Like, yeah. I don't want to be hyperbolic because I don't, I'm not team doom, you know? Like, and I resent anybody like thinking that people that might be asking questions now about the safety of these again, experimental and ongoing trial level injections, like we're not team doom. We're still team, we should ask questions. And we're team, the government lies to us all the time. So we're team, I'm not trusting what they're saying and we should be careful of them. Yeah. And if yeah. they're injecting their product into our body, their untested product that they bear no liability for. 
I mean, and wasn't there like a news article of a woman who uh, she had spent million um, over a million dollars on healthcare for herself after she got vaccinated because yeah, she I was really. Yeah, she got, the, was, she got the J and J one, and she's like, "Bah, well, where? Who can I sue?" And you know, and I mean, we should have the. I've it's tried like, you to tell pitch. people this. I mean, I, I know that the, I know me and many people like me have tried to tell our loved ones, please don't do this because you, if you do get injured, there's no liability for you. Like the, it, there's nobody that can financially help you if you end up having huge bills from this. And this falls on deaf ears most of the time. So I'm, I'm beginning to lose my ability to feel sorry for some of these people because it's like, you, how many times have you been told? You can't control them. You know, you, you have to just say your piece. I, I feel like I need to at least say what I really think. I say I'm not getting it and here's why, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then they're going to do what they're going to do. And it's amazes me. People are vaccinating their teenagers. Oh, my, my teen, my 15 year old is getting her second shot Yeah, ew. all the time. And I, I just can't, I mean, I just hope for the best, obviously yeah, not everyone's going to have a bad outcome, but mm -hmm. it's terrifying how trusting people are. They just, I guess they just haven't ever had an experience of being screwed or something. And they just really trust they way too trusting. Well, yeah, obviously the biggest reason I hear people saying that they're getting vaccinated is because they want to travel mm. and I'm just like, yeah, but what about your health? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not mandated <laughs> like to travel Keep and you can still travel. Yeah. Like no, nothing's stopping you. You, just you've the, been just the CDC into thinking that. Yeah. You've just been lied to. They don't see the big picture at all too. It's like if they get 90% of the world to be vaccinated then they know how small our group of dissenters is and then they can you know pretty much marginalize us and harm yeah. us you know and just on principle these decisions should be voluntary that we should not be excluded from like you can't go to radio city music hall anymore unless you have a vaccine mm. proof of a vaccine and like our oh, I mean, well lasted. segregation i thought yep. was like the, we all knew the worst thing that could happen and now we're seeing it rolled out and people are celebrating it. So they're mm. such hypocrites. It's the same people who would say like, oh, during slavery, I would have spoke out against slavery. I would have yeah, been a right. I would have been standing up against the, the popular viewpoint. They would not. I mean, they, they would never do anything that could jeopardize their reputation. They just go along with whatever's popular. And worse, they would have turned in their neighbors. Oh, mm -hmm. absolutely. The brown shirts or whatever. Yeah. Yep. 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 At so least we have each other, guys. We exactly. Have other. <laughs> we have right. each other. And like you said, you know, out with old friends and acquaintances and people that don't serve us and, you know, ideas that didn't serve us and in with new relationships, new people, new interactions, new opportunities. And so, you know, I think, um, I think there is going to be some positive movement, positive momentum, especially as things continue to open up more and like I know everybody's you know you guys have kids so you have your own limitations and but I mean think about all the new friendships and we've forged with people across the country across the globe and um you know they're the like-minded people that we were always looking for and didn't seem to have around us but we were forced to find them more than ever just because of sheer need to remind us ourselves that we are not crazy, we're not alone, and these people are out there, and they're fighting their fight as well. 
Right. I'm fighting my Trust cat. Trust yourself as we speak. and find your people. <laughs> yes. I think that's uh that's a big takeaway from this year. So you're cutting out a little bit. I'm know. sorry. Um, I said, you know, that's I think that's a big takeaway from from the past year. Trust yourself, mm -hmm. find your people. And we learned a lot this year. I learned a lot. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we sure cool. have. <laughs> <laughs> yep so stacy where can people listening to our podcast who have never heard of you uh, where can they find you and your work i would go to twitter i do most of my covid stuff on twitter and if i ever if i post a lengthy piece like on medium or aiar or somewhere else i always tweet it so that's probably the best place okay simple uh yep. we'll we'll put your handle in our show notes unless twitter um, bans me and then yeah. you'll have to Google me or something else. <laughs> yeah. So far, so good. I only have one strike, I think. Maybe two. Yikes. <laughs> That's what you get for telling the truth, right? Can't yeah, do that. Yeah. They don't like me. I know that much. Truth is treason. All right. Well, we like you, Stacy. And again, we're really glad that you came on with us. Um, really appreciate your time. And again, really appreciate the work you're doing. Um, especially just, I didn't before today realize that you were um, a lawyer. And I think... That's a really important piece of this puzzle. Um, so what you're able to bring to the table just with your expertise, your background, your knowledge, um, the connections you'll be able to make with other people, like you said, you already have. And, you know, we need people of all backgrounds, of all trades and specialties and skills fighting this fight in the ways that they can. So, again, definitely appreciate what you're doing um, on those fronts for us. Thanks for having me on. It was awesome to talk to you guys. Yes, thanks for coming. All right. And um, anybody listening, Vixens, you know where to find us. You can reach out to us on Instagram, um, Twitter. Um, I think um, also another just safe place to always find all our work um, is voluntaryvixens.com. Yep. All right. Um, so that's a wrap. Stacey, we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch. Uh, keep you doing your thing. And Vixens, um, we'll catch you next time. But in the meantime, keep it sane, keep it peaceful, and keep it voluntary. Mm -hmm.